May all beings be happy. May all beings be healthy. May all beings be free from harm. May all beings love life. May all beings awaken. Welcome to another Kuk Audio podcast. I'm D.C. Poopa of Kuk Audio and Kuk Archives, preserving the legacy of Shunju Suzuki and those whose paths cross his, and anything else that comes to mind. I pray that you and yours are safe and comfortable, free from economic hardship, and able to get out and do whatever it is you want within the limitations of the universal precept of do as little harm as possible. So today we have um, someone whose paths crossed Shunyu Suzuki's, Pat McMahon. He's one of the Reed crowd, Reed College in Oregon which made a significant dent in Zen Center. Uh, So you'll hear plenty about him and what he's up to now, what he was up to back then. I wanted to say one thing, though. Uh, There's uh, correspondence going on between Reed people, and and I'm fortunate to get uh, CCs of those. And sometimes when I'm forgotten, somebody will forward one to me. But... One thing came up, um, somebody had found in an old Reed uh, calendar or something, it said Shunyu uh, Suzuki was scheduled to come in like in 1968 or something. He, he went there in 71 and got, he got sick and had to fly back. He gave one talk the night before and went to Zazen the next morning and um, and then he went back and had his gallbladder removed. But nobody had any memory of that happening. I said nobody had ever mentioned it to me, so I found it not true. Also, uh, his name was misspelled in it, so it wasn't clear if it was him. And, and we know that Sasaki went up there, Joshi Sasaki. So I thought, well, maybe that was him. But then uh, Pat McMahon remembered Richard Baker coming and speaking in Shunyu Suzuki's stead. Hey, incidentally, I got a hold of Richard Baker and asked him about it. He said uh, his his memory is really good for some things and not for others. He said, well, yeah, I went up there once and, uh, uh, you know, they had some press people there. So I don't remember what he said. He said, I just left. Well, that's not what Pat says. Pat said he gave a talk in the evening, and the next morning they had (laughs) Zazen, um, and uh, that uh, uh, Richard Baker gave Zazen instruction. And this is before Pat had come to Zen Center or met uh, Suzuki, and he said that he has uh, practiced Zazen every morning since that Zazen instruction he got from Richard Baker way back then. So uh, I just wanted to add that. I thought that was really good. Oh, there's other stuff from Pat on, uh, you know, on uh, com. There is on many of these people we do a podcast with. If you just go to cuke.com, C-U-K-E.com, and write the person's name or a part of it in the site search box on the um, homepage, and it's on a bunch of other pages, too, our special pages, uh, then, uh, you know, it'll come up, 
something will come up there, Cuke page, their interview or whatever. Uh, so, all right. So after we've had our pause to meditate, let's give Pat McMahon a call and see what he has to say. So, when you hear the bell, if you're of such a mind, hit pause and meditate or whatever for as long as you wish. And when you're ready to come back, when you're ready to cease the meditation or whatever, you can hit unpause and we'll be there to hit the bell to end the meditation or whatever. And we'll, we'll uh, give Pat McMahon a call. Hey, David. Hi there. How are you doing, Pat? I'm fine. I'm home. Uh, actually, I was checking into the the uh, podcast with Len Brackett. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good to hear his voice. Yeah. 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 Uh, interesting. Uh, his uh, relationship with his Gosshawk, uh, with his experience in, in Japan with, you know, not only carpentry, but Zen. Very impressive. I had no idea. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I actually studied with um, the man who sponsored him uh, while he was in Japan. Actually connected, connected him uh, with the Temple uh, Carpentry outfit. You did? Yeah. A um, man named Shunyu, I mean, Shunyu. Um, Kabori Roshi, Kabori Roshi, mm -hmm. a little temple there in Kyoto. Uh, Gary, actually, Gary Snyder had um, gone and, and uh, made acquaintance with um, Roshi, and uh, Roshi sponsored him. And then through Gary, Lenin um, got connected with Kabori. And then, well, then it's a story. I got connected with Kabori through Aiken Roshi. When when you say through Roshi, you've got to you've got to use a, 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 a family name or something. I'm not sure. Robert Aiken. Huh? Robert Aiken. Oh, uh, are you are we talking? You're you're wanting me to to use uh, Kabori's? Well, name? yeah. I mean, you were just saying Roshi. I didn't know who you were referring oh. to. Yeah, Kabori Roshi. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. Lots of lots of Roshis, and then uh, Robert Aiken Roshi. Mm -hmm. uh, connected me with Kabori. Oh, goodness. Goodness. More surprises. Mm. I had no idea. Well, hey, yeah. so uh, you, you've got a business called Rock Solid Gardening? Uh, what, what is it? Yeah, yeah, Rock Solid Gardens. Uh, I want to hear about it. Okay, well... <laughs> It's on my mind. It's on my mind. I was listening to maybe partly just association with the podcast with Len, where he was talking about not particularly enjoying the business 
uh, but, you know, just really loving to the work. Mm -hmm. And apparently he's got things set up so he can mainly work and call his uh, shots as far as hours and so forth. And I guess he's got somebody managing the business. Uh, in my case, um, well, you know, it goes back, David, uh, actually to Suzuki Roshi. Um, in when I went down from Portland to uh, study with this Zen master, uh, I went to Suzuki Roshi and said, uh, I want to study rock gardening with you because that's what I'd heard about him. And he said, well, why don't we start with Zazen? <laughs> <laughs> so that stopped me dead in my track. Uh, yeah, yeah, I figured, oh, well, okay. But, David, uh, over time, well, I did my, you know, I, I, I did uh, the Zazen. Uh, I was around the rocks at Tassahara. I even was on a trail cr on a crew with... Um, uh, um, Rick Ledeen. Mm -hmm. And he famously told the alumni, well, famous to us, the alumni newsletter at Reed that he was um, involved with a cult uh, <laughs> in, <laughs> in deep in the mountains, deep in the canyon in Big Sur uh, with Patrick McMahon sorting rocks as to small, middle, and large. Yes. <laughs> yes, I'm. So, I I'm aware of of that. Uh, <laughs> I like that. I like that little yeah. uh, post he did in the newsletter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess it made it in there. Well, it was refreshing because you know so many of those reportings in. Uh, especially when you're fresh out of college, you're going to, you know, be uh, make, make the reader think you're pretty hot. Um, right, right, right. Well, we were pretty hot by studying Zen, you know, that was the hot right. thing. But you're asking about my business. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I knocked around, uh, met you and many other people at, at Zen Center and, did my Zazen, uh, and uh, then one thing led to another, and I started a gardening business, and I noticed that I was returning to rock. Mm. It's pr pretty fundamental to me. I, I was drawn to rock when I was a kid. So I decided, uh, well, let's just uh, let's identify with it and identify myself with it professionally, Rock Solid uh, came from that, and it's the main thing I do, um, and in fact, today I'm, I'm involved, well, the last five weeks, I've been involved in a, a project involving a lot of stone, a lot of flagstone, um, and it's all, the crux of this whole project is coming to the placement of a Kuan Yin, mm. a heavy piece of stone or cell, actually concrete. So everything, it's like the, the job itself, and it feels like where my career with uh, rocks, and, and Zen as well, 
<laughs> uh, kind of has converged in this one place where I'm basically I with my helper I moved this you know pretty pretty hefty Kuan Yin. She stands maybe four feet tall and weighs maybe two hundred pounds. Uh, we moved her into a location that I very carefully prepared for her, set her up, made a nice water uh, uh, feature, a pond for her to uh, gaze into, and began to set up little altars. So that, that's what I do, David. That's rock solid for you. Ah, uh, ah. Uh. It's just beautiful. It feels like. Just about the time that I thought, like Len, you know, he called it the indignities of age. Just about when I thought, uh, well, you know, Patrick, uh, you're rocks, you're a crumbling rock. Uh, <laughs> then, the, then this job comes along, and mira- it's just, it's just crazy. It, uh, it happens to be an old, uh, a reed friend. Yeah. After fifty years. So yeah. Go, go figure. It all kind of keeps coming together mm-hmm. yeah yeah indeed more than 50 mm. years actually yeah more than 50 years <laughs> yeah yeah, 50, well, yeah yeah 50 well were you first down there in say 70 you know let's see how does it work um when i met this gal my customer it was in 60 68 69 and then I spent a, uh, I, uh, you know, I spent my time with the Zen houses there. Uh, and then I went up to Vancouver for a year. And then I got the, kind of the uh, imperious call to come down and study at San Francisco uh, with Suzuki Roshi. I'd already met him. Um, he came up to Portland. You, you, you'll know this. It's, right. It's the history now. So. I met him up there. I met uh, uh, Richard Baker up there. Then it was time to come down. And that would have been like 71 or... When did Suzuki Roshi die? It was that... December of 71. Yeah, well, I came down in the summer of 71. Mm. Well, that was a good summer. Mm-hmm. He was. That was a good summer. He, he gave a lot of talks and did a lot of work in his garden. Um, and, uh, yeah, you were there for that. That's good. Um, and you as well. Uh, yes. Yeah. I was the assistant director or maybe I was the work leader. And then in the fall, I was the assistant director. I don't know. It was all sort of mm. the same. Uh, it, uh, well, how, how, how far back would you trace this, um, uh, your uh, your bodhicitta, your desire for enlightenment, your your uh, sense that mm, mm. there's something to uh, learn that's not being taught in the regular curriculum, sort of thing. Yeah. Well, you know, David, that's a very interesting question. I don't think I've ever been asked quite that way, but I thought about it and. Um, it goes back to, I would, must have been, oh God, maybe 13 or 14 years old. Um, and I, re- I, I remember distinctly, I was standing looking at some uh, telephone wires. And all of a sudden, what is this? 
<laughs> that question came up. It was so crazy to think that anything at all existed. Right. And right. Okay. Right. Uh, right. And that was a question I actually, I never really, um, uh, mentioned that experience to anybody. Um, well, maybe I'm mentioning it for one of the first or second or third times to you, but it, it was that little blip, you know, that little blip. And then uh, now we, we fast forward a bit, um, to more of a conscious, um, well, more of a, a connection with, you know, maybe Buddhism or Zen, you know, can, uh, uh, help me along with that that experience. Well, when when did you when did you think maybe Buddhism or Zen can help me? Uh, you know, yeah. with that. What, what point yeah. did you think that? Yeah. Well, I had some hints. You know, it was in the air. Alan Watts, uh, mainly, and Red Watts, but it it, it made sense. So, so you know philosophically, and I was pretty philosophic at the time, and that would have been, oh gosh, that might have been high school. Uh -huh. Might have been in high school. Yeah. And and then I got, you know, into, well, okay. Then I go to Reed, and I meet Lloyd Reynolds. Right. Lloyd really was a, uh, an irritant to me. I, I remember the almost the first uh, class we had with him, his first talk, he said, don't think. I hated that. <laughs> don't think. I was there to think, man. <laughs> and so I remember going out of that class just, you know, just in, in, in virulent argument with uh, one of my fellow students. But it began to sink in. Why don't you uh, tell us what uh, Lloyd Reynolds was teaching? Well, uh, ostensibly he was teaching art history. That, uh -huh. that was my meeting with him. Um, but he was sneaking all kinds of stuff into his art history class that uh, a good deal of that I never heard before, which is Eastern thought. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, where he really hooked us, hooked me, hooked many of us, as you know, was with calligraphy. Right. That was it. That was my first experience of a practice that um, you could do. I mean, it's very, very straightforward. Practice, you practice, you practice calligraphy. But the way he explained it, made it clear we're not just practicing calligraphy. We're kind of, uh, well, we're involving the whole self, I suppose would be one way to put it. Mm -hmm. Right? And so, so uh, I did that. Uh, and it, it was my first physical practice. You could do it. And uh, you could do it over and over. And the more you did it over and over, kind of the first, more you sunk into it. Mm. And the more you sunk into it, the more you sunk, I suppose, 
into yourself, and then other things began to bubble and burble, and and then you, this this history, I think you'll know it, uh, so I can run across it pretty quickly. Um, Lloyd was quite an influence on Gary, Gary Snyder, mm-hmm. uh, Philip, Philip Whalen, but then my peers, Len Brackett, um, uh, Rick, Rick Levine, big, big time influence. And then when we formed the Zen House, the second one, uh, there was one uh, just up from campus we called the Cosmos. That's the one that what Len was mentioning. Mm-hmm. And then the, the next one was, um, the next year was with um, another part of town, uh, was with Layla, Layla now Bockhorst, uh, and Rick, and a few other people, um, a few other people that, that then uh, converged on Zen Center that I think it would probably be the summer of 69. Several of them came down. Anyway, he became quite interested in what we were doing with the Zen house. And we started up a little uh, loom making studio and Mm. so forth. And people went to him. I think Rick famously, or, you know, famous with us, went to Lloyd with a few of uh, our our, uh, people and said, uh, what, 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 uh, do you think that this is, uh, uh, we, we could have the courage of our conviction somehow. This seems really important. And I think he said, Rick reports, he said, uh, hell's bells, man. Uh, go for it, basically. And uh, with that encouragement, I don't think there were too many other faculty that were encouraging us or even, even knew about it, but Lloyd did. Lloyd furthered us. He encouraged what? He encouraged, well, the, in, in this particular project was, uh, first of all, incorporating as a, Zen, as a little Zen center. Oh, and I didn't know that. Pro- yeah, yeah, I, I kind of didn't know it either. Uh, but Rick says that, that that's what they did. That's what we did. Huh. Uh, and also this project of, of making, you know, handicrafts, mm. making hand-making looms. Mm. Wow. And Lloyd was all about that. Lloyd was, you know, kind of a, um, he was at the ilk of, oh, who was that guy back in the 19th century? Morris, um, putting together the arts with the manual, so-called fine arts with the manual arts. I'm sorry, you, you've got to tell me. Yeah, well, I'm 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 searching around for his. He was a major. I mean, this is this is kind of a diversion from what we're saying. Let's just say that Lloyd. Hey, if you think of that name, let me know, and I'll stick it back in here. Yeah, yeah, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. Um, okay. Uh, it'll come to me. It's not William Blake. It's not William Blake. No, 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 no. It's not William Blake. It's, you might say, it'll come to me, David. He's, he was an architect. Uh, he started a a whole movement of, of integrating handicrafts with, with architecture, with Uh, Steiner thinking. No, 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 no. This, this, uh, 
Uh, okay, you know how it is. Tip of the tongue kind of thing. What year are you thinking? What, uh, oh, this this would have been the turn of the century. Turn of the century. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I might not know the yeah, name. Yeah. You might not. Yeah. You might not, but Lloyd would have. Lloyd would have known it. Uh, it was following in that in that tradition. So, yeah, very tight connection there, calligraphy, uh, zen, and handicrafts, and poetry, mm. all coming through Lloyd. Mm. He uh, quit the university around th that time, too. Well, there are ways to tell that story. Um, Rick could tell the story and has told the story. Um in uh, John uh, Sheehy's uh, collected voices of oral history of Reed College. Right. Uh, right. Okay, so Sheehy has got some of that. Lloyd was kind of forced out. Uh, the This is back Black Student Union days in 69, and Lloyd took the side of the students, and the faculty didn't like it. Um, so as Rick tells the story, basically they went to him, you know, the heavies and said, look, we, we, uh, took your side, uh, during the communist years and now you need to align with us. And I think Lloyd just knew he couldn't do that. So, uh, you might say he quit. You might say he was forced out. Mm. Now, what were you saying there took? Site during the communist years. What are you talking about? Oh, oh, oh okay. Well, we got to back up and do a little explanation here. Um, Lloyd, during the McCarthy era, was if he wasn't a card-carrying communist, he was very clear with his sympathies, mm -hmm. and he was he was called before the committee there with before the McCarthy Senate uh, committee. Yeah. I believe I believe so. There was that, you know, and there uh, on the House side, there was the House on American Activities Committee. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I know the, I don't know the particulars of that. The history is known. Um, anyway, Reed came to his uh, uh, defense, um, and Lloyd squeaked through, continued mm. doing what he he did. William Morris is the name of the uh, the guy that I'm I'm talking about William Morris the architect Oh right um, right I, I, Renaissance man I'm only familiar with the name uh I Yeah 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 mm. So we got we got that Very good Hmm <laughs> Funny so, how that happened Yeah so let's go back to high school So uh oh. <laughs> you you go from high school to read, uh, and well, and uh, then from read to the Zen Center. Uh, yeah. So you first came to to Tassajara to, to grade rocks, uh, small, medium, and large. <laughs> yeah. In uh, I didn't know that. In, in maybe that was sixty nine, seventy. You know, it was the summer of 69. It was the summer of 69. Right. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. And then I went up to Vancouver 
and came down the summer of uh, 71. Yeah, that's how that goes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, do, do you have any particular memories of, uh, of uh, Suzuki Roshi? But let's go back to high school. Okay, do that. Uh, because it, it, just, it just prompted me to think there were some stirrings. Um, my friends call me Buddha boy. Uh, why, why they would have done that? Shorter than I had very short hair, I don't know. But they call me Buddha boy. Uh, and I had a teacher in my junior uh, year English teacher. He identified himself as a, well, I might as well call myself a Buddhist, he said. Uh, he, was, uh, he wasn't of the uh, cut from the, the cloth of a, a regular, you know, regular guy, English teacher. He, 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 hearing it from him, he was the first person maybe tongue-of-cheek, said that he was a Buddhist. Okay. Mm. Well, okay. So those two things. Um, n- now I can move on to... Where are we now? Oh, well, you went to read, and then you came to Tassajara in the summer of 71. I said, do you remember uh, uh, fir- oh, yeah. first seeing uh, Suzuki, uh, meeting him, mm-hmm. uh, any impressions mm-hmm. there? Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, to, to set the record straight, I came down in the summer of 69, and then um, I went back up, lived with the uh, you know, the folks, uh, Rick and, and Layla and so forth, uh, lived up there the following year, went to Vancouver, Washington, did a job there, came down in the summer of 71. So, but the main thing is you're asking me about Suzuki Roshi. Okay, wait a um, minute. Were you at uh, Reed when Suzuki uh, went there in like mm, February of 71? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was. So there was a session in February of 71. I was in Vancouver at the time. Uh, and uh, I wasn't paying too much attention, but my friends told me, Suzuki Roshi's coming up. This is your big chance. Come and sit with us. So I did. And uh, uh, Suzuki was there. Reb was there. Uh, Reb was kind of his, uh, you know, look looking after him and, and uh, second in command kind of thing. Uh, during the, he was there in the morning, but he kind of, uh, kind of disappeared late in the morning. And then at work meeting that afternoon, um, somebody said, the work leader said, uh, Suzuki Roshi is not feeling well. Does anybody know how to uh, give massage? Well, my hand went, Straight up, <laughs> I didn't really know so much, you know, rather than, except for the, the normal hands, you know, our hands were all over each other at that time. So I got to give um, Roshi a massage, and he's lying there on the table in his robe, and he instructs me in how to give uh, a back massage. I still remember they said there's muscles on either side of the spine. So just work your thumbs up and down the spine. 
and I did that. So I had a living Zen master uh, under my hands. Uh, that was a thrill. Mm. But th- then I guess that that wasn't the first that I'd met him, oh. David. I met him. I met him the summer of '69 when I came down for the uh, uh, the guest um, period, mm-hmm. and at that time, he and I um, found ourselves in the the hot baths at a kind of an off time. I think I was working in the kitchen. Uh-huh. Nobody else was in the baths, and I I saw you know his little bald head floating over there in the water and uh <laughs> i got in the water and i kind of floated over in that direction and uh he he looked at me and he looked at my head and he pointed at my head and he, uh, he uh, whatever he said i wasn't understanding but i thought he's pointing to my second my head above my head kind of thing it had to be significant, you know. Then I realized he was pointing at a spot on my head that I had missed when I was shaving my head. Oh. That was a significant encounter. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really significant. You know, it really was. So you came down in 69 from Reed and shaved your head at Tassara. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Did Rick? I was... I was going to do it right, David. Uh, did Rick shave his head? Not everybody was shaving their head. You were there. Um, I don't know if Rick shaved his head. Well, usually guest students didn't. I mean, people coming down for a brief period didn't. I know, I know. But I had to make a, you know, I had to make a statement. I'm the real thing. Oh, that's cool. Of course, I. Yeah, I was cool, but I, you know, I really couldn't decently shave my own head. Uh-huh. Well, nice and he try. Was pointing that out with a Yeah, well, you, there's no mirrors, there's nothing. Uh but he got a lot of amusement out of that. <laughs> <laughs> there were other there were other meetings um not a lot. So, I came down to Zen Center to study with him in 71. By that time he was beginning to, you know, disappear from us a bit. Um, but I did talk with him about, uh, what should I study? I went in and had a little interview in his, his, uh, office. What should I study, uh, Roshi? Wait a minute. In his office, you mean in the city? Right. I was uh-huh. at the city center. I think we're talking now 71, the fall of 71. Oh, so fall, no, no. He wasn't years. talking to anybody in the fall of 71. Well, then when I, when was I talking to him? It must have I mean, been, he was, I, I shouldn't know. say he wasn't talking to anybody. He wasn't meeting with students then. Uh, I'd say after the, the end, uh, uh, after he came back from Tassajara uh, mm. in late August of 71, I don't think he met with new students anymore. Uh, yeah. He wasn't feeling well. He gave one talk. Uh, mm-hmm. and, um, after that, it was just like people were very close with him and, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, he went downhill and died. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so anyway, yeah. you saw him before so, then. 
uh, there in yeah, the city. I saw it. I, go ahead, David. No, I said you saw him before then there in the city. Yeah. So tell about that. Yeah. Well, I came down, you know, the uh, to the city, the city center, the summer of 69. And the deal was. Oh, I you're talking about 69 alcohol. now. Yeah, in I'm the going office. Back to oh, well, you're talking about Sokoji then. Yeah, Sokoji. Oh, okay. So, Sokoji. Um, so, when I came down, the deal was I wanted to go to Tassajara, but you had to go to Sokoji to, you know, do the, the, uh, the city schedule, such as it was, uh, first for a certain period of time. And during that, it must have been during that time that I went and talked with uh, Roshi. Um, my first, it was my, yeah, it was my first interview with him. And I asked him, what should I be studying? And he recommended D.T. Suzuki. No. Yes. Shocking. Second series. Yeah. <laughs> sounds, sounds natural. I, I, I did not take to D.T. Suzuki. Wasn't what I was looking for in Zen literature. So that wasn't, that was a recommendation, but I, I didn't uh, follow through. Huh. Then I went down to Tassajara. Yeah, that's so unusual. Then he was. Wow. Mm, really? Yeah. Uh. Hmm. Well, maybe he knew I was, you know, I was pretty, who knows, David, pretty heady guy. Maybe he thought uh, D.T. Suzuki would uh, give my head something to busy it. Yeah, yeah, about. that's interesting. So? Well, so you know what I did? I, I, I got the Zen uh, teaching of Huang Po. Oh, was, well, that's great. Is, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. And I read that thing over and over and over. Yeah. All being all sages and all beings are uh, sentient beings are nothing uh, but the one mind besides which nothing exists. So that was my koan. Mm. I didn't even, I, I hardly needed to read beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't understand it at all. So that was my study. I've never moved beyond that. I just loved Wang Po. Well, <laughs> Stay with it. Yeah. I never moved beyond the first line, frankly. Yeah, he said, Wang Po said, he said, mm -hmm. um, well, sort of like, I don't remember how, how it was worded in the book. John Blowfield uh, uh, did it. He said uh, something like, you know, it was like, how do you get enlightened? Uh, I don't remember how he worded it. He said, mm, stand when you're standing, sit when you're sitting, lie when you're lying mm -hmm. down, and... Uh, just do that. It should take about 10 years. Mm -hmm. I swear it said something <laughs> like that. Well, there's the other thing, David. This, I was thinking your questions are, are, are good, but I, 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 was, I, I was there on the beach. Well, here's the background to today. Um, I went out to the, uh, the beach. Um, seemed like the beach um, there on the bay just... just uh, uh, east of uh, Mount Tam, just west of the freeway, there's a, the mudflats there. And I found a nice warm place to to sit. 
And I sat there for a couple of hours, which is my practice uh, before, um, you know, uh, uh, a, a talk with my teacher, Nelson Foster. I sit for a couple of hours, and then I'm set up, you know, for the the uh, the docophone, we call it. So I did that. And during that time, I had many, many thoughts, but this one kept coming up for me, is one surprise after another. Mm. As a description of my Zen life, my particular Zen life, and I'm, I don't think it's so particular. I think it would be one way that uh, I, I, it, it, you'll understand what I, what I, I mean. I think one surprise after another. It does not proceed according to the way you thought it would or should, right? Ever, right? Well, look, that's what? you know, that that was your thought, but Suzuki. Uh, uh, and that's right down uh, the Suzuki alley uh, saying that. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. The big surprise, and I was, I was here's what I was prepared for, because I talked with you in my own <laughs> inner chamber, and I heard you ask this question, what was the biggest surprise? Yeah. And I had various answers to that, but the biggest surprise I would say right now is that 10 years is nothing. 10 years is nothing. It turns out the big surprise is you never get there. Mm -hmm. There's no, you, know, you never get there. I think, you know, it's 50 years for you, more for you, 50 years plus for me. I, I remember when I thought um, a year. I remember talking with uh, Yvonne when I came down to uh, uh, Sokoji, and she asked me, well, how long have you been practicing? I said, oh, a year. She kind of smiled. I thought that was a long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, do I think it's a long time now? Well, yeah, it's a long time. But here's the real surprise, David, is I kind of, in a way, nothing has changed. Mm -hmm. The fundamental practice of Zazen is absolutely unchanged. How could you change it? Mm. Drop in. <laughs> drop in year after year. What's its character? You know? Mm -hmm. Water is just—it's just plain as water. That's a big surprise. Yeah, yeah, I can relate to that. That's um, well said. Hmm. Hmm. Many other surprises. Many other surprises. But that's—I would say—that's the big one. Hmm. Big. <laughs> what's big mean? What's little mean? The big surprise could be as little as I'm sitting there on the beach and the tide comes in. Things begin to disappear that I had seen before. I begin to hear the water lapping as it gets closer. God, what could be more surprising than that? <laughs> Everything disappears that I've been looking at before. 
something comes close to me, and then it begins to go out again. Hmm. Total surprise. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. What's the big surprise been for you? Or has there been one? Um, oh, talking to you right now. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Isn't it crazy? Isn't it absolutely crazy? Yeah. David, let me tell you something that's very really personal here. Part of the big surprise is that we're having the conversation at all. Um, and I'll be frank with it. Right up and maybe right up until this very point, I had thought of you. You were, you know, a couple of years ahead of me. I thought of you and that whole generation a couple of years ahead of me as outrageously uh, more advanced than me. <laughs> right. I mean, you guys, you were, you were the heroes, and I was just a little, you know, I just, just a little novice. Here's the memory, though, and I wonder if you remember it. What kind of took that idea apart in relation to you was you were the work leader. Uh, we're talking now 71, I believe. You were the work leader at the city center. 72. 72. Okay, 72. Uh, you were the work leader, and you had taken upon yourself uh, a, uh, a vow of silence. Richard Baker had taken it upon me. <laughs> okay, uh, okay, he'd taken it upon you. Anyway, you went you went silent, which was quite a big deal because you know you're a pretty talky guy. Uh, at that time, you were very talky. And oh, so yeah, you uh, right, yeah, a very vocal, uh, and we all enjoyed it. You were, you were a good vocalist, <laughs> but you went silent, yeah, very funny. You went silent and you communicated at work meeting with uh, notes and hand signals and so forth that always, you know, really worked. One night, and here's the crux of it one night, it was a Saturday night. It was an off day night, an off night. I am absolutely at loose ends. Uh, uh, if I was following the schedule, I was okay. But the moment there was free choice about what to do, I was unable really to handle that. Mm. So I'm wandering in the halls, just really what, what to do with myself. Everybody seems to be gone. They're all having fun. They're all going to movies and so forth in my mind. And you're in the hall, and you see me, and you gesture to me to come into your room. And we go to your room, and you get your guitar out, and you start singing to me. Yep. Do you remember that? Well, I did that all the time. You see, I got permission from Baker to sing. But not mm. to sing to communicate, to sing right. songs. Uh, right. And uh, I wrote like 50 songs that uh, during that six-month mm. period. That was six months. 
Mm -hmm. uh, incidentally, mm -hmm. nobody called it a vow of silence. They said it was the noisiest vow of silence they ever heard. <laughs> I, I think all we could say, it was uh, a period of no words, no spoken yeah. words. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, but, um, yeah, I really, uh, that, I had written songs, uh, you know, since I was in elementary school now and then, but I really, mm. I, but mainly I had been improvising for years mm. and I would improvise. All these songs would come out. And then in 72, I thought, you know, as soon as they're out, I forget them. And there've been some mm. amazing things go, but I'm going to stop improvising and I started writing them down and recording them then, and mm -hmm. uh, I still do it. And mm -hmm. and I'm mm -hmm. over 1,100 songs now. <laughs> <laughs> and you could remember them because you wrote them down. Well, also I recorded them. And you recorded them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and uh, I used to uh, look for people to, that I could trap and play a song to. Uh, and you did that with me. Uh -huh. <laughs> but the way I felt about it, David, you had your own agenda with that. That's cool. But the way that affected me was somebody cares about me. Somebody makes, even if I was an audience, still, you kind of saved me in that moment. Oh, from oh. you, you really saved me. Good. I don't know what the song was, but just it's something like again, surprise. You can just I was abandoned to this um, this notion of being lonely, this notion of being at loose ends. What happens? Something totally out of the blue. Somebody invites you into their room and sings a song. Hmm. How surprising. Hmm. Well, you know, I, I always regard, I, I sort of regard my whole life and, and, and what I've done and, and created and everything that's flowing out of it as uh, just something that I, I don't feel like I'm doing it. Mm. You know what I mean? I, I feel like... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I feel like everything is it's sort of like Caruso the uh the great opera singer I am not comparing mm. myself to him I don't mm. have a, a that good a mm. voice uh or mm. I'm not saying anything is high quality but he said mm. his he said it all comes from God right mm. his voice comes from mm. God so uh I don't mm. see things in terms of uh celestial beings uh, mm. like that, or in terms of being, but I just feel like things are just coming through me. And mm. I, uh, and so I sort of feel like a vessel. Or <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And I don't mm -hmm. feel that's unique with me either. Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, uh, a Christian well, said to me, uh, do you believe... I'm fundamentalist. He said, mm. you know, he said, do you believe that God wrote the Bible? What's an idiotic idea that mm. has mm. no, 
Well, I mean, where's the origin of that? Certainly not from the Bible. But I said, um, uh, oh, yeah, I believe that. I believe God wrote everything, including the phone book. <laughs> That's true. Because <laughs> you say he wrote the Bible, he's going to write the phone book. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, well, well, here's the thing about yeah. David. Let me Let me say this. If you're a vessel, you don't know where your song is going to go. You you don't know where it came from. You don't know where it's going to go. Right. So I doubt if you knew where that song went with me. But I'm telling you now where it went. Yeah. It went towards a little moment there where I didn't have to feel quite so desperate. Yeah. Yeah. And there were more moments to come, and there was more desperation to come. Um, but these little moments where people would surprise me, they keep happening. They never stopped. The, 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 the disconsolation is uh, not as extreme as it was, but, you know, we all have those moments. Somebody always comes along. It could be a child. It could be a dog. It could be a neighbor. It could be, you know, the barista. And there's just some little glint or some little something. Oh, save my ass again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have to be receptive it. to it for it to happen, I think. Uh, so you allowed it to happen. You didn't get in the way of it. Well, what a, what a tragedy it, it would be to do that. Well, existence is... Filled with constant tragedies. <laughs> mm. mm -hmm. That's what uh, sin is in uh, in uh, Christian history. It's uh, tragic errors. <laughs> mm. Sin, yeah. Uh, tragic errors. Uh, tragedy. They can be very small, little tiny tragic errors. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, listen, I experience that every day. Yeah. Every day. And then the trick is, and of course, I got my teeth cut on that at Zen Center, uh, one mistake after another, as Suzuki said. But now it's it's just a matter of how quickly you can see it and how quickly you can come back and redress it. Uh, it's something I've learned. Right. Something I've learned. Right. Thank God. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I'm so I'm really sorry. What can I? We're going to do it different now. That kind of thing. Yes. Yes, I know that now. Mm. Mm. Thank God. Mm. I don't know if that that has. Uh, there's so much about this, David. You don't know how much of it is the Zen training, and how much of it is just getting older. You don't. It's just how can you tease it out? Yeah. Hmm. Indeed. Uh, when how, how long were you around? I mean, you 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 continued practicing at Zen Center after Suzuki died. How long were you around? Mm-hmm. I went down after he died. I went for that training period at, at uh, Tassajara, the winter training period. I went down in January, February, whatever it was. Um, and I absolutely fell apart there. Um, 
fell apart. It was just the most miserable time of my life. Uh, and I bombed out. I was intending to go back, but everything at the interim, I went home and I could not get myself to go back. And I called Mel up and said, I cannot, I cannot come back. I didn't say it would be the death of me, but I, I did say, I just can't come back. So then I uh, went off on my, actually, I went home. I went back to my hometown, Davis, and started trying to be, took up regular life. I got a job, I got a girlfriend, and so forth. Huh. Um, yeah, that's when I, that's what I needed to do. Huh. I wouldn't, I mean, I, I, I can't say I wasn't aware of that then. I'm not aware, I wasn't aware of that now. I have I mean, I remember mm. you so well, more like somebody who had been around for years and years. Mm. Uh, mm. What, didn't you stay in touch or something? Oh, yeah. What happened was I went back to home, Davis, and, you know, you can't go home again. <laughs> so I continued to, I, I, I continued to break down. Uh, had a, a really nasty food disorder, um, symptom of something. And I knew I'm going, I'm going to die out here. I've got to go back to the family, even though I was miserable there. So I called up um, Richard Baker. I called up Baker Roshi and said, look, I got to come home. I got to, well, where's home? I'm coming. And he said, well, come to Green Gulch. We'll find something for you to do. Mm. Yeah. Bless his heart. And so I went to Green Gulch. What year? What year was this? This, this? this would have been, so I'm 72, 73, maybe 74. Uh -huh. Maybe 74. I'm not great with calendar, but let's just say um, I went to Green Gulch. I stayed there for, you know, some sometime more than a year. Yeah. And then I went run, running from, from Green Gulch because I was just so miserable. Uh, and then I tried living as a, a quote, normal person again. Huh. And it took a little bit more. I began to get a little bit more ground underneath my feet. But then, God, I just really wasn't ready to stand on my own. So I called up, at this point, I called up Mel in Berkeley and said, Mel, I'm coming. I got I to gotta come back. And he said, what? Baker said, which we'll find a place for you. Uh -huh. So that's when it really began to uh, make a swing up. And then I spent quite a long time at the Berkeley Zen Center. Ah, yeah, yeah. Maybe quite a long time. And then, okay, the rest is history. I met uh, Aiken Roshi. I met Nelson. I knew that was the way I needed to go and so forth. Nelson Foster, right. So yeah. did you go to Hawaii or uh, what? No, I didn't. Aiken was coming to Ring of Bone. Uh, and so was Nelson already I, there? He was starting. He was much, several of these sessions, most of the sessions, Nelson was his attendant. Uh, one year, John Tarrant was the attendant, but mostly it was Nelson. 
Uh, and Nelson and I um, really connected not just about Zen, but around the Buddhist Peace Fellowship. Mm-hmm. So Nelson and I got close around Buddhist Peace Fellowship. Aiken stopped coming at a certain point. Nelson took over. And that would have been what? That would have been uh, 86, 86. That's when I really began to study with Nelson. Mm. And Ring of Bone is my present, uh, you know, it's my temple. Oh, is that right? Well, mm-hmm. Nevada mm-hmm. City. Yep. Do you yep. ever see Gary there? Snyder when you go there? I do. I do. I do. Um, I made a point for some years of going, you know, you know the Zendo's just down the hill from Gary's place. I go up during uh, the Rohatsu. There's a, it's called the working person session. Uh, and I would go up to, to Gary's place to do some work. Mm. We had some really nice times. The last time I did that was maybe, I don't know, two or three years ago. Huh. Huh. I don't think I've seen much of him for at least the last year or two. But I hear his generator. Mm. <laughs> mm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, but, yeah. So now David's coming up to the present. Um, I'm mainly practicing uh, on my own. Yeah. I, I have Dokafon with, with Nelson once a week, and I go up for for a session maybe three or four times a year and do the mountain rivers and so forth. They're, they're my people. Mm-hmm. Ah. Mm. Wow. Well, that mm-hmm. is very interesting. I didn't mm. know all this. I wasn't aware of your um, your problems, your anguish, uh, when you were at Zen Center. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and I think one reason is, is you're quiet. Mm-hmm. You don't go around broadcasting stuff. Mm-mm. I was hiding. Oh, you was, said that's so, hiding. <laughs> uh, what's that? Do, you, did you say that's hiding? No, I said I was hiding. You said so you I, were hiding. I was hiding. I was so uh, shy and so ashamed. Uh, the food disorder was really disturbing. And I... The food disorder was symptomatic, and let's not go into that. Let's just say that Zen, at that point, was good at demolishing me, but it wasn't good at putting me back together. Uh, I had to go go away in yeah. order to do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's part of the so tradition, too, you know. Mm. Is it? Oh, sure. There's no one, mm. there's no one correct... Uh, uh, template. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Fortunately. Yeah, I think you've you've followed uh, your, you know, you've followed the course uh, that worked for you. You mean I did it right, David? Well, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, indeed, yeah. indeed. Well, um, well, go on. It's awfully nice getting the confirmation, though. Mm-hmm. I know it for myself. I know it for myself. I don't hide much these days. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's, no, there's nothing I'm particularly ashamed of. I mean, it's all just as much as possible. It's it's out there for all to see. But that period of, of my life at Zen Center, it's still, there's that pang there. There's an ache there. And the ache is that if I have some regret, it's that I didn't open up. I didn't show anybody. Um, I acted as though you didn't know. Um, very few people knew. Baker knew. Yeah, yeah. I, I've i never been sensitive to other people's problems. I was mainly mm. unaware of them. Sometimes... Uh, but I can't tell you how many times I've had people tell me things like you told me with the mm. uh, song. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I uh, quite frequently when they tell me that, I was completely unaware I was doing anything nice for them. Uh, Good. I was just, Good. you know, being friendly or whatever. Uh, yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, well, I think our... Uh, 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 our problems, our mistakes are really an essential part of us, uh, our path in, in a positive sense. I mean, mm. boy, I can look at, you know, failures and errors and mistakes and think, God, if I hadn't have done it wrong, I would have been stuck mm. there or... I can see it as a mm. necessary part of what happened next. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I also don't believe in over-interpreting it. Uh, mainly, I think, mm. forget it. I mm-hmm. like your Wang Po comment. <laughs> Would you repeat that? Mm. Do you remember the essence? All sages and all sentient beings, I'm doing it word for word as far as Blofeld um, translated all sages and all sentient beings are nothing but the one mind beside which nothing exists. I read that, or I hear you say that, and that I just, ah, it's like the greatest relief. It's just... Mm. Mm. It's so plain, then. It's so absolutely plain. Nothing exists except for this one mind, and what is it? Yeah. But don't try to interpret it. I, w- I was When I was sitting, uh, one mind, when I was sitting there at the uh, the beach. Yeah. I heard the, you know, I was just, you know, Zazen, whatever uh, happens in Zazen, thoughts and so forth. Um and when I heard the water lapping, when it became audible because the water was getting near me, I needed to take a piss. <laughs> One mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That it's that it's that straightforward. It's that simple. Right. Right. Intimate. Right. Um. What uh, What's your uh, take on? Um, 
uh, climate change and the fate of the earth now? Mm, David, David, are you going to throw me that one? Um, here's, here's the best I can do. Um, I pay attention to the garden that I'm making. Yeah. I give it my best shot at really making a beautiful, you know, like it's like you with your, your song. I'm a conduit. I happen to, uh, it flows through me in, in, in when I'm working in the garden, when I'm working with stone, when I'm working with water in a very fluid, <laughs> solid way. Uh, I, I hardly think at all. I don't think about particularly doing this for my client, doing it for Kuan Yin. I, it's just, I'm, I'm just totally, totally doing it. If I stand back, though, and reflect on, well, what's the significance of this? What am I doing? Especially when you ask the question, I think this is the best I can do. I'm I'm creating an environment, helping an environment, which is already lush. It's not like I'm going into a desert. It's it's lush. Uh, it's thriving, uh, and it's right on the edge of badass East Oakland. So there I am. I'm I'm creating something. I'm letting. I'm giving it my what I can do to make it basically accessible because mm-hmm. it was just a jungle. Uh, and I, I've set up the Kuan Yin, and she's there doing what Kuan Yin does, you know. Um, she's listening. And part of what's going on there is the sound of the water. Mm. Just a gentle, gentle water. What's going on 25 yards away is um, sideshows. Sideshows are where, you know, 50 or 100 cars will, will get together and they'll they'll do a rodeo, so to speak, uh, and blaring motorcycle radios and such. It's quite a, a mix. Yeah. Of, and I feel like that is my work. If I've got, yeah. if I'm dedicated to something, make a sanctuary, set Kuan Yin up where she, where the cries of the world are not subtle. Mm. Yeah. They're right. deafening right. in their loudness. And she's just there. She's just, you know, she's listening like she always does. That's what I do in answer to your question. That's my best a uh, way to address the situation of the planet, the war, uh, Ukraine and Russia. What else do I know how to do? Yeah. Where do you live? Where Where do you live now? I live in Berkeley. Um, I live um, just uh, south of campus, about a 20-minute walk. Huh. Um, very pl- pleasant neighborhood just down from Telegraph. Huh. Do you do you do you know Rob Lyons, by the way? Rob, Rob Lyons, is, Lyons. Yes. 
Rob is the manager of this kind of communal house where I'm living. Uh, and he's, uh, he's become, well, he's been, he's been studying and practicing and being a leader uh, in through the Berkeley Zendo. Hmm. Oh, that's where I know that name. That's where I, yeah. 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 And right now he's at Tassajara with the, the work, um, the work period. Yeah. Uh, so he yeah. put together this house um, that feels like, I feel like next to living at a Zen center, mm-hmm. this is it. This is it. Mm. There's no conspicuous Zen here. Mm. But it feels like it. it. It just really feels like, okay, this is where I should be. This is my practice place. Um I don't know that it has any influence on anybody, but I'm there to be influenced by everybody. And Rob and I have a, you know, Dharma brother relationship. It's it's very cool. Mm. That's nice. That's really good. Wow. Mm. How things turn out. How yeah, things turn out. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think... Uh, uh, this brings us uh, full circle here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, yes. Do you, do you have anything? Um, this has been most um, most uh, enjoyable and enlightening here, everything you have had to say. Do you have any anything you'd like to uh, tie it up with? Let's go back to the, um, let's go back to the beach. Let's go back to the beach where I was, um, where I started, you know, at around uh, five o'clock, sat there when I first went. Uh, it's it's mudflats, the sandpipers, the water comes in, seven o'clock comes and I don't hear from you. Um, that's the same, is that not the same ocean that uh, laps the beaches where you are? Well, it certainly is. Um, yeah. It's at a different height. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it's a different height, but it's 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 the water. Yeah. And I think that's why I went there. Um, uh, what did I know except that most of my practice these days is outside, uh, a beach, uh, a park, whatever. That's where I really like to practice. I thought, where do I want to talk with David? Mm. I want to talk with David at the beach. Well, there's that ocean. Mm. And here we are talking, <laughs> as things happen, talking I'm in my little room here uh, on Prince Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you are where? In Sonor, in Bali. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, and here we are. Yeah, and I'm so, I'm right near the beach, and hmm. I think the high tide today will be about 6.30 in the evening, and I'd like to, I'd like to see, swim as much as I can. Uh, I'd like hmm. to try to get at least two times a weekend, so I'm going to go down hmm. there later in the day, I think, and uh, hmm. um, have a swim and just... Uh, my idea now, I just walk down there, swim, and walk right back. 
Katrinka's mm -hmm. already been, uh, but she might want to come with me. We'll see. Mm. <laughs> I'll go there with you. I'll go with you. I'll yeah. With you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This has been wonderful for me too. Uh, let's just say one surprise after another. Yeah. One surprise after another. Indeed. 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 Well said. Well said. And definitely dead center uh, with um, uh, uh, Suzuki Roshi's um, uh, teaching. <laughs> what a surprise. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Take care. Thanks a lot. It's been great. Oh, thank you, David. Thanks, friend. All right. Have a good swim. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. This has been a Cuke Audio podcast. I'm D.C. Puba of Cuke Audio and Cuke Archives, coming to you from Sleepy Sonora with Doggy Bandita, Feline Cuchita, and dear lovely Katrinka. And we're wishing you and yours and all of us a grand awakening.